everybody. This is John Tady welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, indeed, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tady. You know where you love her to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the classic film Casablanca. Ooh, a classic this week. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm doing good. I got, uh, for the first time in a long time, we have visitors. Uh, Anna's fully vaccinated parents are visiting this week. Um, One of the first things they asked me, in fact, uh, was, um, are you still doing uh, podcasts with your mom? (laughs) I said, yeah, I just put one up two, two days ago. And Anna's mom said, oh, we're such fans. I said, "What do you really? mean? You're, what do you mean you're such fans? You just took a 13-hour road trip to get here, and you didn't even listen to the podcast, so you're not that big of fans." Yeah, yeah. Don't snow job me. I yeah. can figure these things right out. Oh, we're such fans. You know who the fans are? Are the people who actually listen to the podcast. That's <laughs> the, right. Oh, so right. the true fans. So you who are hearing this right now, we salute you, <laughs> the true fans. Oh. <laughs> we're such fans we don't even listen yeah yeah the word such was doing a lot of work in that sentence uh how are things in that. your neck of the woods things are pretty quiet um dad gets his second shot tomorrow oh good and i have to say uh i don't really know what's going on in the world very much because uh, i reached my my uh limit in in news it was just it it was like a a monkey swinging from vine to vine to vine Mm. with one bad piece of horrible news after another and i think it's okay to sometimes just say that that's all i can do right now absolutely absolutely um so i am taking a little break from the news i did find uh a show to entertain but the real big news, the real big news, are you ready, yeah, is ready. Daddy and I drove through McDonald's. Wow. This is the grand tour of fast food places now, because right after you got your your shot, uh, your second shot, you went to Wendy's. Is that right? No, I ended up not going. Oh, so this, this is your first fast food excursion? It was. And it was a nice evening for a drive, so we drove down the back way to the very local McDonald's. Um, oh, nice. That's a nice drive. It was a nice drive. We went down 114, and, you know, it was just very green and alive. Yeah. It was just beautiful, really. So we got to McDonald's, and now, not having had, and I'll tell you honestly, because I just got my easy pass statement Ooh. oh okay. and because i went to my shot i had to uh, go through a toll to get my shot and we had not been south since right not this past january january 2020 yeah so that would have been the last possible time to have done anything outside because after that we just hunkered down so this was this was pretty big you know it took some bravery it took some 
whatever, but we went to McDonald's and I just wanted a simple cheeseburger, fries, small fries and a milkshake. And here it comes and it smells just right, mm -hmm. which is a combination of something and cardboard. So it had the right smell. Mm -hmm. The something and, is my favorite ingredient. Mm, well, I love that yeah, something. You can't say it's really a, a smell of beef. Yeah, a smell of grease, though. Okay, grease. Maybe that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. And I open up the tissue paper to find a hamburger that is upside down. It has, so I'm looking at the bottom of the sandwich with uh -huh. its little flower belly button looking up at me and the sides are squashed in. It looks nothing like what I really expected. I expected, oh, and I got, eh. Well, and why did you expect different? Have you ever had a McDonald's <clears throat> cheeseburger before? Well, I don't think I've ever put so much thought into a McDonald's I cheeseburger see. before. I see. The anticipation and the long time away made you expect right. something more than the flat. I mean, I love a McDonald's cheeseburger. And like I right. told you the other day, I like to get the the two cheeseburger meal so that when I'm finished with the first cheeseburger and mourning the end of that experience, <laughs> immediately there's another one ready for me. Wow. I'd much rather have the two cheeseburgers than one Big Mac. Yes. Yes. Well, I don't I don't really care for a Big Mac, but this was a disappointment. You know, I've seen I've seen a lot of the commercials, you know, they look like it looks like you're going to have not fine dining, but at least something that somebody would be happy to serve you instead of a very sad two sides squished. It was almost square and it it just couldn't have looked unhappier than it was. It, it it was just very, very unhappy. And the bonus is that since I'm not used to eating in the car anymore, uh, I blurped ketchup out the back end of the hamburger onto my T-shirt. Oh, that never happens to you. <laughs> I was trying. I would That's be surprised it. if you finished the burger without getting condiments on your shirt. I am a pro at that. <laughs> the The surprising thing was that it ended up under my armpit, and I don't know how that happened. So that was... <laughs> Good that God. Was a, yeah, that was pretty magical and impossible to clean up. You were driving while you ate? No, no. I was... We were sated. Oh, okay, good. We were watching the scenic... Liquor store and yeah. market basket parking. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a real treat. So, how anyway, were the fries? Other oh, fries were good. Yes, they were not cold. Now, I've heard that if you really want really good fries, you should ask for them with no salt, and they'll cook them up special for you, and then you can sneak your own salt onto them. Have you heard that trick? Uh, uh, hmm, I haven't heard that trick, but it sounds like a lot of work. Not for you. 
not for you. They just have to cook you your own basket of, of fries and dish yours out and then put salt on the rest and sell them. Why doesn't that make sense to you? Because part of the eating experience is the convenience of it and just the here it is and you eat it like the fastness of the fast food. I also appreciate right alongside the food. I'm not interested in waiting for them to cook me up some, my own fries so that I can put the salt on them. I know it doesn't sound like a lot of work, but at that point, I'm just like, well, why don't I go have something nice to eat? I need the convenience to feel like the meal. It just okay. makes me sad to think about all the work, putting that much work into a bag of McDonald's French fries. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you haven't had it for, you know, a year and a half, two years, I put a lot of thought into this. And they did not put any thought into my sandwich. (laughs) No, they didn't. They don't have time to think about it. And that's what makes it great. Well, you know, I don't live in Chicago. I live in the, you know, in the middle of nowhere. They have time. They have time to arrange my sandwich better than this. I wanted to go back and say, I'd like a hamburger like the one I see on the commercial. Well, you do get one that's like what you see on the commercial. It's just arranged differently. They actually, um, the way they do the commercials is they have, the hamburger you see has to be um, equivalent to one uh, that would be available at a, um, you know, at a typical franchise. And uh, they get someone local to prepare it. Like you can't have a special chef prepare it or, or, it can't be special, really. So they get someone from a local McDonald's franchise, and of course, they're heavily coached by the, um, you know, there's handlers there and everything, but the um, the local McDonald's person will uh, put together the hamburger, and all they do is just push all the toppings to one side of the burger so that when you see it from that side, it seems to be bursting with, with toppings right. and condiments. If you could see the right. other side, it would look... What Sad. is this? Please silence all telephones for the uh, podcast. Is recording. that me? Yeah. Again? Yeah, I'm sorry. Your telephone Wait. interrupting our podcast. Unbelievable. I don't even know where the I phone is. I've never. Oh, here it is. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. Well, they'll have to leave a message. All right. Okay. I hear what you're saying about that. But let me just say it would be nice if they packaged the thing. So that when you are holding it the only way you can and opening the flaps, that when you open it, you have the top of the burger facing you, not the bottom. I just feel like if you care about the aesthetics of the burger at all, you are approaching your McDonald's visit the wrong way. I want it as upside down. That's lucky for me. Oh, yeah, I'll take an upside down burger. Dilapidated? Yes, please. Like, I just... That's fine. That's part of the experience. Oh, I, I'm just going to have... Oh, uh, what do you care if it's wait- upside down? Well, I waited a long time to have this burger. I waited a very long time. Maybe you and- should have gone to Fuddruckers if you wanted a fancier <laughs> burger. Head down to the local Red Robin. Oh, I hate our local Red Robin. <laughs> It's it's in Manchester anyway. Hold on, and, hold on. I got to do I got to do a plug here. Uh, this segment of Pop Mom is brought to you by Red Robin. <laughs> Delicious gourmet burgers at an affordable price. 
Head to your local <laughs> Red Robin today. Okay, Mom, continue. <laughs> hey, I got something from the mailbag. You want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. This is from Patrick S., uh, and it's a question about Taskmaster. Now, I'll note, this is not the same Patrick that sent us the Taskmaster. However, it is a loyal friend and true of the podcast. Um, Patrick writes, if they made an American version of Taskmaster, who would you want to see in the title role? Um, Now, they have made an American version of Taskmaster, short-lived. It was on Comedy Central in, I want to say, 2018. Um, and Reggie Watts uh, was the taskmaster, uh, and Alex Horn was the was his assistant. Same guy as the British version. Um, yeah, who would you want to see in the title role? Now, for people who haven't heard the Taskmaster episode and don't know what this show is, Taskmaster is a British panel show where they um, each season it features five comedians, the same five comedians the whole season through, and in each episode we see. Um, They've been asked to perform these various tasks, like paint a rainbow scene in the dark. Or what's another one, Mom? What's one of your favorites? Mm, Throw an egg into a hole that's about, what, six feet away without (laughs) encroaching on the area. Oh, I haven't seen that one. In any case, it's all silly tasks, and they come together, and we watch the video of them doing it, and people are assigned points. It's great fun. It's It's one of the favorite reviews we've done on the show. Um, Definitely. Patrick wants to know if they made an American version, who would you want to see in the title role? And Reggie Watts is taken since that actually happened. So if they made... Well, I have no idea who he is. Who is he? Reggie Watts. He's a famous comedian uh, and musician and actor. Yeah, Reggie. It's sort of an indie, uh, maybe more of an indie comedy icon. Uh, Okay. Icon is a little bit much, but still. Okay. Yeah. And he famous was, might be a little much, too. No, he was, um, <laughs> J- yeah, maybe, uh, Jimmy Fallon's uh, band leader, I think, when uh, Jimmy had the 1230 oh. show. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. He, um, he's the band leader of James Corden, not Jimmy Fallon. He's the band leader okay. for James Corden. Go ahead. <clears throat> I rest my case on the famous <laughs> 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 Yeah. Uh. <laughs> he's so well known uh well you know the, the part of the charm of the show is the witty repartee yeah um and there's a fine line between uh hogging the limelight and spreading it around so can i also say that i the taskmaster um on taskmaster uh he's uh, his name is greg davies He's the least strong part of the show, I'll say. I won't even say it's yes. weak, because I don't think the show is weak in any respect, really. But there are times when the loudness and, uh, I don't know, just sort of testosterone air around the Taskmaster is a bit much for me and not that funny. Yes, yes. And I will I have to tell you, Daddy agrees. Yeah. He, he doesn't care for the Taskmaster. Yeah. But I think the idea of what he's supposed to be stands well, and I think that his um, his commitment to that aggressive air makes Alex yeah. Horn, the real star of the show, oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that much funnier. I mean, I yes. think Alex Horn, who creates all the tasks with his team, you know, he's really the creative mind behind the show. I think he's one of the funniest people I've ever seen. I mean, I he can agree. shoot a look at the camera 
that it lasts a tenth of a second and has me in stitches. Yeah, uh, he's hilarious. Um, and that's our second review of Taskmaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't answered Patrick's question yet. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw out. What do you think about Tom Hanks? Oh, why? I'd love to see that. That's that good. That could work. That could definitely work because Tom Hanks has so much goodwill in the bank. He could be nasty, quote unquote, nasty and judgmental, and it would still be endearing. Like Tom right. Hanks could do practically anything, and it would uh, it would be a, a winning well, look. I think his son is putting that to the test right now. Oh. Haven't you heard that? I guess I I guess I haven't. Oh, well you should look it up afterwards since we don't want to get too political here. Oh, what's what what's he doing? <sighs> I really don't want to say. A Colin thought, are we talking about? No. Oh, Chet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, well, Jed has none of that goodwill built up. He doesn't. Um, I'm still going to go with Tom Hanks. What do you think? Yeah, boy, I wasn't thinking along those lines. I was thinking of some comedian, but yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe this is a sad choice since he's not alive anymore, but were he still alive? <laughs> wait, wait, I'm not laughing at whatever you're going to say, but my... I already have them propped up in a chair and. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, can you guess who I'm going to say now? Um, Al- Alex? No. Uh, no. Oh, it, who? Regis. Oh, my God. He would be perfect. Yeah. yeah don't you think Regis? he would have been good? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, Patrick writes uh, that he thinks Nathan Fielder would be an excellent assistant. In the Alex Horn role, I I like that a lot. I think that the the comedy of Taskmaster is maybe a little kinder um, and has less of an edge to it than the stuff Nathan Fielder typically does. But I could also see it working. Uh, and he casts Jane Lynch as the Taskmaster. I don't know. No, she talks too much, and she's. I don't think she knows how to spread it around. Mm, yeah. Do you know I what just, I'm saying? I do. I'm I'm not sure I entirely agree, but I agree insofar as I'm kind of tired of her. I've seen enough of her. Um, yeah. In this type of role. Which is not to say a woman wouldn't be great because, you know, um, mm-hmm. who's the woman on the chase? You know, she does she does a spectacular job. Sarah. Sarah Haynes. Haynes. Yeah. And uh, so it's not an anti-woman thing. No, of course not. No, we're we're beyond that for sure. Um, I don't think Sarah uh, Haynes would be a very good taskmaster. No, no, but, no. Yeah, uh, I I really like Nathan in there. I I think he could pull that off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Nathan too. That's that's a good call. All right. Well, cast your own taskmaster in your head, uh, and if you have a wonderful idea, email it to us. In fact, as you know, because I say it every time. And if you are such a fan of the show, you are aware of this. Um, <laughs> you can email us about anything. The address is popmom at ological.net. 
Thanks, Patrick. That was a good conversation starter. Yeah, that and was a great one. You may have noticed we don't mind talking about Taskmaster on the show. So uh, good call there, Patrick. <clears throat> All right. Uh, should we move along to our review, Mom? Yes. Yes, let's do this. Okay, I'm excited about this one. Uh, a little different for Pop Mom. We are. Yeah. I think this is the earliest piece of pop culture we've ever reviewed on the show. It's Casablanca. Set in 1941 in the titular Moroccan city, Casablanca is the classic story of nightclub owner Rick Blaine's choice between rekindling a lost love and sacrificing himself for the sake of the Allied war effort. Humphrey Bogart's most famous role casts him as Rick, whose eponymous bar is situated uneasily on the fringes of Germany's encroaching campaign of conquest in the early stages of World War II. When his former lover, Ilsa Lund, arrives with her husband, resistance leader Victor Laszlo, Rick can either use his influence in Casablanca to help them escape the clutches of the Germans, or he can try to start a new story with his old love, leaving the resistance hero to fend for himself. Of course, since Bogart's character is now considered one of the great heroes in film history, we all know which way he goes. Here's a clip. And it all adds up to one thing. You're getting on that plane with Victor where you belong. But Richard, no one... Now, you've got to listen to me. You have any idea what you'd have to look forward to if you stayed here? Nine chances out of ten, we'd both wind up at a concentration camp. Isn't that true, Louis? I'm afraid, Major Strauss, I would insist. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. But what about us? We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we, we lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. When I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. Casablanca is available for free, well, for free with a subscription on HBO Max, and available to rent or buy elsewhere. Mom, surely you've seen Casablanca before, but were you happy to play it again? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I had never seen it before. Oh, you hadn't. Well, what a treat. Well, it really was a treat. It really was a treat. I was uh, so shocked to enjoy every minute of this. Every minute. Every single minute. Um, it was a little confusing with the different uniforms for me. <laughs> uh, you know, there was Nazis, there was French policemen, there was, there seemed to be, I had a little trouble with the, uh, who was who with the uniforms. I have to admit that. Um, <laughs> Is he a good guy? So I, you know, I you can't really tell. So, uh, this this movie really had so much heart, had so much. It was just perfection. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I came away with from this mm. that this is where this is to me what a superhero is. 
Oh. If, after all those superhero movies that we've seen, this to me is the man of my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a hero <clears throat> in a in a well, he's not a superhero. Um, no, he is though. He is though. He was selfless. He was smart. He knew everything. He knew what was going to happen before it happened. He could think it all out. He knew everything. He reminded me so much of Daddy. I can't tell you. <laughs> um, well, he's a he's a good person. It's enough. We don't, you know, not everything decent needs to be super. I think when we build these things up, we lose track of the fact that this is just how people are supposed to be. Um, no, and- I disagree with you. He killed somebody for this woman and her husband who he had deep love for, he actually killed somebody. I mean, we're used to seeing that blank, 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 kill, kill, kill. But, you know, think about it. Sure, sure. Actually killing somebody to save, not himself, but his ex-lover and her husband. Yeah. I I find that very, very, very impressive. <laughs> Well, I do, too. He's certainly a hero, but he's human. That's what I don't want to lose track of. And that's why that's why I enjoyed the movie so much more. I think I hadn't seen it since college. And in college, like, you can understand the story and you can understand the motivations. And, of course, studying film in college, it was so much about the lighting and the, you know, the aesthetics of it also Mm. I was looking at, um, which I certainly like to touch on. But I was, as an adult... I was much more affected by, A, the power of nostalgia and choices not made. Not that I have so many regrets in my life, but, you know, we all have wonderings about paths not taken. And so I understood Rick's um, dilemma is almost too gentle a word. Yeah. Um, It's like this alternate reality walks in his door when Ilsa comes to Rick's place um, and I understand the powerful draw of that for him. Um, I just understand the internal conflict of the movie much uh, more with my viscera than I ever did uh, before. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you you grow. I've been married for more than 10 years now. I'm sorry, Anne, I forget how many years it's been. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, you just understand love in a more rich and complex way, too, than you could right. when you were younger. So. The um, just the adult uh, and real emotions and well portrayed emotions of the movie really hit with me. And it's a it's a small film in its in its way, even though it's dealing with big, um, you know, a big war. It's a very small picture of it. It's one man's dilemma. Right. Yes. Yes. And and to know. Uh, what he had to know, you know, mm. keep keep walk that line between the Nazis coming into town and and feeling like um, they're they're in charge. We're here. This is ours now. Uh, as the one scene where they're singing in in the cafe, um, the Germans start singing their national oh, anthem yeah. and. The, the French stand up uh, 
and say this is in French Morocco. So they mm-hmm. stand up and they start singing their anthem and the band is supporting them and they get louder and louder and louder and more enthusiastic. And then finally the Germans sit down and, and that little quote unquote fight, you know, was very satisfying. It's an amazing way of dramatizing the feeling of resistance um, because you see these people resist and you hear them and the sound, like you say, it drowns out the German anthem, but the whole time you are watching the Germans see. Right. And yes. um, the energy around them is uh, is sort of like, okay, we can wait. Um, you know, just right. biding their time before they crush this spirit. Um, it's, it's both a very satisfying and a very ominous scene. And to capture the, that feeling of the resistance, um, as Rick is dealing with how much he should assist the resistance and how much he should sacrifice himself for that cause to bring it alive with the music in this bar, um, is just really sophisticated filmmaking and again speaks to this point of dramatizing a big big conflict within small confines although the movie doesn't yeah. feel like claustrophobic or anything but it's you know no. it's, it's a pretty small space it's working within we do not venture outside Casablanca or really outside the three blocks or so around Rick's place in the whole movie I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the blue parrot. That looked a little seedier. <laughs> At and the other nightclub, yeah. <clears throat> the other nightclub, yeah. That looked sort of interesting to me. But <laughs> ah, get your own movie, yeah. blue parrot. <laughs> you know, not to ignore uh, Ingrid Bergman, who, mm. of course, was considered quite a um, quite an actress and quite beautiful and whatnot but um you know this movie couldn't have happened without her but i i i felt like her part was i don't know how to say this Uh, i was more interested in humphrey bogart's character yeah well i think that he has most of the complexity um and i think Mm. that the other um the other complex and intriguing character is, of course, Louis, um, the sort of chief of police, uh, so to speak, in yeah. Casablanca. I forget what he's exactly called, but um, Rick's friend to some extent. But um, they're the two most interesting characters because of their stated neutrality. So we don't know which way they're going to go. Ilsa, yeah, she's, you know, she's in love with Rick and... Um, and there's the will she, you know, which way is she going to go? But her loyalties are clear. Um, despite the question of what she's going to do, she is a fighter for the resistance and she's got her cause and she's less unpredictable um, and right. less complex, at least in what's presented on screen, than Rick and Louie are. And the, you know, the movie is built around who is Rick, because we see him in this white suit, right? And that's classic, like, that's the most basic film coding for good guy. So they say right up top, this is a good guy. But then as the movie goes on, we start to see Rick more in shadow 
Um, and we see him toward the end in his trench coat, in his gray trench coat. This bl- beaming white is um, is mixed up in different ways, using the lighting, using the composition, all different ways to make Rick seem more gray and to shade that original picture, that initial picture we get of him in the white suit and the guy who can do anything in Casablanca. Um, yeah. So the, to me, the arc of the movie is really that, um, refinement and complication of the image of Rick. Um, so uh, Ilsa is necessarily a supporting player in that. Yeah. And again, yeah. yeah, it's to say no ill of Ingrid Bergman's performance, which is um, quite exquisitely rendered, but um, it's not as full-bodied a character, I think. Another thing, Johnny, that I wanted to talk to you about is time. What happens over time? I can imagine that when this movie came out, uh, and did it come out in 1942? You know, it was after yeah. the war. Well, it was during the war. During the war. And I can't imagine what an impact it had. However, there were so many catchphrases <laughs> that I found myself bursting out laughing. You know, here's looking at you, kid. Yeah. And and uh, when they are playing a you know, a kiss is just a kiss and all the cliches that we've seen hundreds of times yeah. in other movies. So I did find myself laughing at at some of the stuff that is very time worn and overused and sarcastic. And But it wasn't in the day. But that's what happens with time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's striking to see. You know, kiss is just a kiss. Um, in the context of the movie's love story, is uh, a pretty potent, a pretty potent statement, and it's um, it's sort of up to the audience and up to Rick and Elsa, like how they're going to interpret that. Um, yeah, are they going to let a kiss just be a kiss, or admit that there's something more? You know, there's it's so many layers to it, and yet, yeah, when you hear it, it's like you can't believe it. It's uh, it's become so shopworn. I mean, to me, um, I find that kind of exciting to see these, uh, you know, words that mean almost nothing take on a new richness when you see them right. in the original intended context. I mean, yes. here's looking at you, kid, just kind of, you know, that's the line you hear whenever someone <laughs> is doing Humphrey Bogart, you know, Humphrey Bogart yeah, in, in, yeah. The, in a Bugs Bunny cartoon <laughs> or whatever. He's going to say, here's looking right. at you, kid. Um when he says it in the movie, it's heartbreaking. Like it's, um, it's, it's him just bottling up his emotions and trying right. to make it through this wrenching moment. Um, this, yeah, it's a, it's. And, and like their little shorthand, you know, that she knows what that means. He knows what that yeah, means. That's right. That's right. Um, I was reading uh, recently about Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, dun, 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 and um, how those those first that first um, dun, 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 those four notes when they was originally played, um, the listener wouldn't have known whether that was in uh, how can I put this whether that was in a major or a minor key. It's ambiguous. Except that mm. now, because this is such a famous symphony, there's no ambiguity. Like, we automatically, even if you don't know 
keys and don't know music theory. Like yeah. when you hear dun 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 dun, you hear it in the minor key in a way that wouldn't have been so straightforward to the audiences of Beethoven's era oh. hearing it at that time. There would have been some more <coughs> intrigue in it. Um, so uh, when things become cliches, they can lose their power. Um, that to me, that Beethoven example is one that you can't really get back. Like you can't unknow yeah. what Beethoven's fifth sounds like. Right. Um, right. but in Casablanca, I found all these cliches sort of flourishing again when I, like I said, when I saw how rich that they actually were in their original context, it's feels like practically every line in the movie is a cliche. It's one of the yeah. most, um, quotable and quoted films ever. So, um. But boy, did it deliver! Anything else? Mom? It really did. No, it it was surprisingly delivered, and I was so glad I hadn't actually seen it. Um, although my loss, but now I have seen it. So uh, yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really. <laughs> I was just going to say something so stupid, but it's classic in in every regard. So yeah, make sure make sure you get a look at it. Well, and it's one of those classics that deserves to be a classic. You yes. know, there's some classics that you go back and you you understand why they're culturally important, but it's just like, oof, boy, this uh, this is dated or this doesn't have yeah. the same crackle. To me, Casablanca has all. I mean, I wasn't alive then, but I feel like it must have all the same electricity that it did um, when it first came out. Yeah. And I, I would like to state also that I wasn't alive then either. That's, <laughs> okay. Thank you for stipulating that. Thank you. Uh, what's your grade for Casablanca? Oh, I gave it an A+. plus. I went into this really skeptically, and I came out a real believer yeah so. i've never had you ask me are you sure so many times when i de yeah. decide yeah uh, i wanted no about. parts of it i thought let's do et but uh <laughs> <laughs> but you were right once again johnny oh wow i like to hear that um mom do you have a recommendation this week i do i this is actually new to me but i think it's quite beautiful it's it's a box of a deck of cards called Botanical Inspirations by Lynn, and I'm going to spell her last name, A-R-A-U-J-O, and you pick a flower um, out of the deck of cards, and there's a little booklet that interprets it, and it sort of gives you five minutes every day to really uh, concentrate on yourself, your mental health, uh, something you want to be mindful of. Uh, I know it sounds a little hippy dippy, but uh, it's really a nice way to start your day. Mm. I keep mine next to me on the nightstand and just take a little look uh, in the morning and and then get on with it. I love it. Botanical Inspirations is the name, Mom? Yes. Oh, I see it here. Botanical Inspirations deck and book set. It's available on yes. Amazon and not that expensive. No. By Lynn Araujo. Wow, that's a tough one. Araujo? Uh, yeah, I didn't even try. Okay. <laughs> well, just search for Botanical Inspirations and it'll come up. Oh, I like that yeah. recommendation, Mom. All right, and just the one recommendation this week, though, right? Last week you gave us a twofer. Oh, and, and a McDonald's cheeseburger is Mom's other recommendation. <laughs> no, it, no, it isn't. 
No, but Dad's getting his shot tomorrow, so maybe we'll try Wendy's. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Go get yourself a Frosty. All right, but wait, I have to tell you one more thing. The other thing is if you're looking for something to look at on TV that is, you know, away from the maddening crowd, uh, The Great Pottery Throwdown is on uh, Is it on HBO Max. I think it's on HBO Max. And it's a group of uh, pottery, uh, not students, but people that work in pottery that come together. It's not unlike The Great British Baking yeah. Show. I guess uh, as much, yeah. Yes, but with pottery. Uh, <laughs> and and I'll tell you one of the reasons I absolutely love this show is because every time I see a show that shows a craft of some kind, I immediately feel like I need to learn this and immerse myself in it. And this show, I have absolutely no desire to learn how to do pottery. It makes my hands itchy to watch it, but I do enjoy it very much. Okay. That's uh, so we do get a two for this week. That's the yeah. great pottery throwdown. It is it is available on HBO Max, uh, hosted by Chet Hanks. So everybody will enjoy that. Who? Chet Hanks. Who's he? I'm is just he joking. the head it's pottery not, guy? It's oh, not actually oh. hosted by Chet Hanks. Oh, Chet Hanks! Yeah, there oh you go. God. It's a callback. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about then, Mom? Any ideas? Definitely, definitely something interesting. Something interesting. We'll do our best. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. And we love to get email. Like I said, the inbox is popmom at ological.net. Talk to us about anything. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.